Hey Warriors and welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have had a great week. Mine has been a little bit on the slow side because it's been very hot out here in Texas. Um, it's been over a hundred almost every single day. Um, we have been able to kind of explore but not too much because it's not fun to walk around in the hot sun. And basically we've been kind of hibernating in our apartment for right now. Um, I've been working on the logo. Uh, I, I kind of created this plan idea and I colored it out and having a friend maybe design one for me, like to put it in a, I guess you could say like a 3D style look. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, the other thing I've been basically, you know, praying about recently is that God would just have us, you know, meet people out here, you know, just run into them, have conversation. Yesterday we got to hear an awesome testimony from uh, this young lady who works at this coffee shop and she shared all the stuff that she kind of went through to get to where she is now and seeing how she once was a liberal person who saw things not from a biblical perspective even though she was brought up Catholic she was kind of living her life the way she wanted but then she started kind of noticing things weren't right and she kind of started praying about it and actually even asked God to bring a guy to her who would actually be positive because the guy she was dating at the time wasn't helping her grow and she wanted to grow and so the Lord provided another church provided a boyfriend who's been helping her grow and she just said that it was like a complete change in her and it was just a really neat testimony to hear her plus the fact that she realizes and notices that there is some issues in the churches today that there is teachings that are getting taught to young people and, and it's starting to flood into our churches as they grow up and we need to be aware of that um, I'm still using my phone uh, I will be getting uh, something like a kind of like a temporary desk right now to be able to set up my computer so I can at least have something I can use. Um, and then I'm hoping to kind of upgrade a little bit to a newer computer and then eventually set up this room to be more podcast friendly. Because uh, right now, as you probably can tell from the last podcast, is a little bit of an echo because there's nothing in here. <laughs> it's a complete empty room. And I'm just sitting on this beanbag, and that's about it. But the goal would be to really set up this room nicely. And the other thing that God's been kind of showing us is just awareness of people and how people are thinking, which has been pretty cool. Um, just been praying over each of the towns that are around here to see if there's maybe a specific town God wants us to focus you know as much as we do like Robinson is very rural um, we've met probably more people there that way but overall um, we we visited Hewitt we visited Woodway and we've been in Waco a few times and we're just trying to figure out if God wants us to focus our whole heart into Waco are we to maybe focus more on Woodway or Hewitt or maybe even Robinson but the idea is that right now looking at how it is it looks like with Hewitt and Woodway there's a lot of growth going on there a lot of housing coming up and definitely has its like own community so like they have a lot of the stores that they need people don't have to go very far 
And in Robinson, you do actually could probably never actually leave Robinson if you really wanted to. But if you needed something specific, you would have to go into the city. So um, it's kind of an interesting mix. And it's been really fun to kind of see and pray over and look at different things. So you could pray to, that God can just kind of steer my wife and I to where we need to be focusing more on. Um, you know, the apartment setting itself is very, very quiet. So it's kind of nice and then not nice because it's a little bit too quiet. Um, otherwise, you know, we've been doing what we could do best. You know, the sun has just been brutal, though. Um, anyway, so uh, next week we actually get our pod. So hopefully everything will work out for that. And right now we just just seeing how what God's trying to teach us here. Plus, you know, I've been just really tired because adjusting the time has been kind of slow for me right now so you pray that I can also get back on track with that anyway so today I decided to get jump right back into the armor of God um, I, I was kind of hoping to have everything set up by this week to be able to so I can have no echoing and hopefully you know put stuff on the walls that blocks up the sound waves but don't have that and I have to use my tablet to help me with all this and anyway one of the things that I was thinking about was the helmet of salvation a lot of times people focus on the word salvation and they only think well that just means Jesus died on the cross you know it's that salvation you know that he forgave our sins, that he provided grace, that he has mercy, you know, we can go through all that. Even though that does speak on that, it also speaks upon where our minds are supposed to be focused on. You see, if we look at it from the armor perspective, the helmet protects the head, right? And we did talk about prayer. We talked about the shield. And the helmet, to me, the, the beauty of salvation is that we can be confident and know who our Savior is. We are confident to know that we are saved. We are confident to know that He has made a change in us. Now, a lot of times, you know, we want to focus on, yeah, but the change is in the heart. But the thing is, it's the heart and the mind. And hopefully the next armor piece will be the uh, chest plate of righteousness. And we can focus on that. But the mind, to me, is probably one of the biggest battles that men struggle with. The mind is probably the one area where sexual sin intervenes on a daily basis all the time. It's also where, and this could be men and women too, but our identities, like we talked about last week, our identity gets engraved into our brains. We are told over and over again what a man's supposed to be. We are told over and over again what a woman's supposed to be. We are told what a man shouldn't be. We are told what a man should act like. We should. We are told that you know men need to stop being so like aggressive. And yet the problem is that we have started creating men who are absolutely confused. I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but that's the whole point of the helmet of salvation the understanding of our mind you see our clarity and what's interesting is that there's a lot of men that I've been running into that really don't know what it means 
to be a man of God. There are men that don't know how to lead a family, that don't know how to um, lead at work, or be men, you know, to lead not only by providing money, but leading by providing leadership, you know, spiritual leadership. And many of these men, you know, you look into their past and some of them have probably been in churches, but the churches that they were brought up in haven't been teaching them that. So they struggle with the understanding of what it means to be a man, let alone understanding who Christ is to them. Because remember last week, I believe it was last week, we talked about you asking God, like you and like I did before, I've done it before, and sometimes I even ask him again, what does it mean to be a man of God? I, you know, we, I talked about what is your identity in God? Who are you in God? And I would say the number one thing that we keep forgetting is that we forget that God you know, sent his son to die on the cross. And so now we are adopted and now we are basically his children and we're the bride of Christ. But what does it mean to be a man of God? Well, one, you know, the verse I always talk about is based off of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. If you haven't memorized that, memorize it. Because, and if you haven't, if you still, you know, if you have a hard time memorizing like I do, familiarize yourself with the understanding of the, those verses. Use, I mean, if you have to post it on your door, post it on your wall, make it into an amazing looking picture and make it into a, uh, some type of poster or uh, picture frame that's on your wall so that any man who comes into your office or even in your house and says, you know, what does that mean to you? And you can use that as a, as a format to share understanding of what a man's supposed to be. Because we're supposed to be on guard. We're supposed to act like men. We're supposed to stand firm in the faith. And we're supposed to do it all in love. We're supposed to be taking on the full armor of God. We're supposed to be living a life that's holy. We're supposed to be men that that know the scriptures. It doesn't mean I'm asking you that you have to have the whole Bible memorized, but you should know the scriptures. You should be ready, as I've even stated before, ready to defend the faith. But you should be a man who's willing to jump in and pray. There, there's just so many things that we can poke at and pick at, but the idea is there's so many parts to what a man of God is that you can always be working on it to make yourself better, just like armor. But going back to the understanding of the helmet of salvation, if you know that Christ died for you and he's your, he's your savior, and now you're a willing follower of him, you should be following everything about him. You should be how the disciples gave up everything for Christ. Because they rec- excuse me, they recognized that they wanted to follow him. They wanted to be be a part of what he was providing, who he was, the savior. I mean, the thing is that you, you kind of notice that the disciples still haven't really recognized him as Messiah, but they do recognize him as a teacher. Until later on when he asks them, who am I? And they, they, they finally say, you're the son of God. You see, it's the changing of the mind 
you know, I, I realized that, you know, we can go around looking at a gazillion verses and all, but we're going to talk about certain things. So in Colossians 3, starting at 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. So we can be reassured that because we have basically surrendered everything to Christ, that we are going to be with him. But we have to remember, we have to think about being on here on this earth. We have to think about how we're serving Christ. We need to think about things above. How are we honoring God? How are we being holy? How are we staying righteous? How are we being good examples of Christ to other men, to our kids, to our wife, to our girlfriend, to our parents, to our siblings, to the other guys that you're at the at, at college or university, the people you work with. Because it is that mindset that we're supposed to have that should be seeking God first in everything because of that understanding of salvation that we've been given there should be a change in how we think and how we look at this world we can't be running around saying oh yeah I love Jesus but yet I'm chasing after this world wholeheartedly because I want everything that's here you've lost sight your focus is now back on yourself again it's almost like you put you put on the helmet of salvation, but then suddenly you switch it off and put the helmet of self-righteousness, or I would say even being selfish. Because it's about me. Something to really think about. Because it is very important that we understand that God died for us. We understand that. We, we can see it in scripture. But then are we allowing our minds to be corrupted by things of this world? Are we allowing sin to be a part of us? Because later on in Colossians, he even says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So in other words, just because you have salvation doesn't mean this automatically goes away because you can still chase after it. And it talks about sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And I count these the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. Because you remember, before we accepted Christ, we were of the world. We were enslaved by sin. So therefore, we were controlled by the world's desires. So our helmet was of the world. We wore that helmet proudly because we thought that was it. But sometimes some of us go through situations where everything gets taken away so much so that we get to a point where we're on our knees bleeding from the world's so-called blessings, having nothing, until we look up and recognize who our king is because we've been wearing the wrong armor this whole time. And this is like the moment that you and I can actually remove the armor of this world and start putting the armor of God on us, putting that helmet 
of salvation because we recognize who our Christ is, who our Messiah is, who our Lord is. And now, just focusing on the helmet, we're, we're renewing our minds because we're, we're taking away the sins that we have once held on to. And we're saying, no. I want to know what is holy. I want to know what it means to be a servant of God. I want to know what it means to be a man of God. Lord, teach me. And if you haven't found a men's group, start one. If you haven't found a good church that's teaching men to be men of God and not just men of this world, as like some of these churches are kind of sliding over because they're letting men live the way they want. You know, we have too many men nowadays that, that are really good at giving tithes, but they don't give anything else outside of that. Of course, they may show up to men's breakfast, but they may help at an event in here. But once again, they're not leading in their churches. They're not leading in their homes. They're, they're expecting the, the women to take care of him instead of him leading the woman as they should. We could be fierce like lions, men, but we also got to learn how to be gentle as lambs. And we got to understand the timing, and that means not to be passive. Many men today are very, very passive. And it's because maybe the churches they've been a part of aren't teaching them how to be men. And it could be because their examples of men in their life weren't very good examples. Or it could be their past and the abuse that they've had has made them not trust trust God, not trust anybody. So instead of fighting for anything, they don't. I can say boldly that I was once very, very passive. I, you know, I still have my past that's still there and it, it can cause issues here and there, but I understand that I don't have to be passive anymore. I could be bold. I could stand firm in the faith. But it all came from focusing more and more on the Lord, spending more time asking him to reveal more about him in my life, reading books, spending time with other men who are leading by example of Christ, um, being in prayer. Getting married helped a lot too. You see guys, it starts right here in this moment right now. Where's your mind been? Where, where have you been focusing a lot about? Is it about God? Where have you been chasing after these, these uh, false dreams, these false ideals, ideologies, and chasing after things of this world thinking that it will fulfill what you need instead of what's above, what is in the Lord? Chasing after what is righteous, chasing whatever is holy, chasing after whatever is pure. We're going to take a really quick break, and I want you guys to think about that. I'll see you right after this commercial. Hey Warriors and welcome back to the second half of the episode. I hope you guys thought about my question last last half. And we're moving on. Uh, one of the things that is really important, I think, would be good verses to have 
on the side of thinking is in 1 Peter 1. Go down to verse 13. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. We can continue on because it would still continue to help with that concept. But if you want to, you do it yourself. Right now, we're just going to move on because we gotta we gotta keep going here. So the idea is uh, preparing your mind for action. Now, see the thing is one of one of the best examples I can think of would be. If you've ever experienced drinking and getting drunk, um, you know that the next day you don't remember a lot of things that happened. I have never experienced that myself because I don't really drink. And if I do, it's very, very little. And I've never put myself in that, that, that type of position. And one reason I've always... There's two reasons technically. One is because of what Solomon said to his son... Um, telling him that a king should not have basically double-minded or not be sober, not be sober-minded. And I've kind of held that as the theme of my choice-making of why I don't drink a lot, for one, and two, don't drink hardly at all. Because the second reason is because everything that I drink that has alcohol in it tastes like I'm drinking rubbing alcohol. So a lot of people look at me really funny because they say, oh, this tastes like this. And I taste it and it tastes like you just gave me a bottle of rubbing alcohol. So it could be just a format or, or something that God has placed in me to not drink at all. And if I do, like, there's certain things I've had that actually taste decent enough where it doesn't taste like rubbing alcohol too much. And I'm able to drink it. But the key thing of understanding is what a sober mind is someone who basically doesn't have anything that clouds it. So the reason why I use drinking is because when you put something in it, your body, it affects your mind. So the key thing in this is that what you put in your mind, and I even will say your heart, can cloud your mind. So there is a form of clarity of understanding because if you're putting yourself in a position where you're taking everything this world is giving you, how is it that you are serving God? How are you being holy? How are you being righteous? How are you keeping yourself sober-minded, clear, and understanding? You're taking in a lot of these ideologies that these churches are throwing at you but you're not testing to make sure it's in scripture because you have trust in man more than you trust in the scriptures because you don't spend time in him you think it's good enough to just go to church and hear the word let alone read the word you won't even open your bible throughout the week at all you won't even sit there and go, hmm, something is not right about this, and do research to make sure that what is being said is biblical. And then let alone any of you guys who have been a part of a church that hasn't really had really strong foundation, you are very confused when someone else tells you something 
is wrong when you've been told, well, no, we need to be more accepting, and therefore you're more accepting of it, but you've never really studied the scriptures. See, I always go back to the understanding that just going to church, just sitting in a Bible study, just paying your tithe is not enough for you to be saying to yourself, I'm a Christian. Because then you don't, when you when you struggle with sins, you struggle and it's really hard for you to get out of it. And then you start throwing, well, it's my mind. No, no. <clears throat> your mind is not his own identity. It does it's not a being inside your inside your head. Your mind is you. So whatever you are filling your heart and whatever you're filling your mind, that's why you struggle when situations that you know you struggle with in sin are more stronger to pull you than be, than you should than it should be. And oftentimes I always point back to to guys you you struggle with self-control. Now, if you remember being a kid, you know that when you were sharing or being told to share or you know you were told not to do something and you did it anyway, that's self-control. You doing something wrong and then trying to blame everybody else for it, you're still doing the wrong. Just because Billy next door went and threw a rock through the window and so you thought to yourself that would be really cool so you picked up a stone and threw it to the window it's not Billy's fault it's not your mind's fault it's not your hand's fault it's your fault you chose to pick up the stone throw it through the window because you wanted to so men you need to stop blaming your mind you need to stop blaming everybody else but yourself for the issues that you have not dealt with that you need to go deal with sins that you have allowed to linger way too long and not remove them like in Colossians 3 it t- tells you to remove them or get away from you've allowed them to take part in your heart and your mind they, ha- they have a foothold they have encamped in your heart and your mind and especially your mind. And then sometimes you could find that with people who will go and watch shows that have all bunch of sex role, sexual stuff or sex itself, and you excuse it as, well, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't bother me, but yet you're filling your mind with that, and it does bother you, it does affect you, because you're more willing to look at other people having sex that it's more normalized for you. That's how it works. It's the same thing with violence. You know, they always try to blame, well, video games have made kids, le- you know, less susceptible to, to hurting people. Like, they, like it's making all these kids become shooters and mass murders. No, that's, that's really not it. But it doesn't help the more violent the game they're playing. <coughs> Excuse me. See, the thing is, it's not the game. It's what you allow in your heart and your mind. It's those the outside training. See, the thing is, I ran around with a toy gun. I ran around playing Army. I played with G.I. Joes. I watched you know, G.I. Joes on TV. 
I watched He-Man, I watched Transformers, I watched cop shows, my dad, I, I watched Star Trek, I watched Star Wars, and watching all that did not, I did not turn into a violent man who's running around wanting to have a lightsaber and kill people and shoot people. You see, the key thing is the training that you were given. I was taught the value of life. I was taught to respect women. I was taught to open doors for women. I was taught to not just pick a fight with somebody. I was taught to not bully someone else. I was taught to be respectful to my authorities. I was taught that a gun hurts someone. I was taught that a weapon of any kind hurts someone. I was taught all this stuff because my parents taught me. And the church I went to taught me. See, the key thing is, gentlemen, what you feed your mind eventually will start making your mind be less aware of the problem because it becomes more comfortable, more normalized. It becomes more of, well, this is what is expected. And that's all. These are excuses I've heard over and over again, especially, well, it's what is expected. Well, no, that's not what is expected of God. That might be what is expected by, you know, the other men that you're hanging out with. It might be expected by the people you hang out with. It might be what you were taught growing up or not taught growing up. And it's also what your heart expects. Because remember, if you're not following God, you're following the world. If you're following the world, you're following self. And our hearts are not just filled with, you know, God's truth and that's it. It has the sin, the flesh side that Paul mentions several times over. Because that's the key thing. You know, Romans 12, uh, 2 reminds us to not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds to know what's pure or good and righteous to God, basically. You see, that's the key thing. We run around pointing out our fingers at everybody else and how they affected us, but we keep forgetting that we are also responsible for our own actions. We can't sit there and just say, well, it's so-and-so's fault. No, some of it may be the influence that you've gained, but also it's the influence of what you've allowed. i do that verse again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, that's the key thing, guys. If you don't conform, which is basically being like the world or being more like the world or thinking like the world or, or supporting worldly things, groups, organizations politics, even churches that are not of God, they're not serving God, they're not using the Bible, they're not following the Bible, and not living the Bible out, you are basically conforming to a world or humanistic, which is basically anything mankind made, ideology that has become a part of who you are, your mind. You see, once again, it goes right back to understanding what is the helmet of salvation? Is what Christ has done for us. It is being holy towards Christ. It is being righteous. It is following God's commandments. It is obeying God. 
is spreading the gospel, is talking about Jesus, is letting other people know what sin is, is by you yourself working on yourself to not walk into sin. Stay holy and righteous to make sure you recognize, hey, I'm allowing the sin into my life and it's becoming more normalized. I need to remove it. So I may have to stop watching this show. I may have to stop playing this game. I may have to stop <clears throat> hanging out at this coffee shop. I may have to stop. Let's see, what else could it be? Stop with this hobby because it's, it's starting to invite something that shouldn't be there. Maybe I need to change jobs because it's becoming a problem. Because the guys and the gals I'm hanging out there, they keep wanting to go out and I want to hang out with them. So I keep going out with them and now I'm drinking more and it's starting to affect me. Do you see how it's just little pieces? It's basically like I call it the slow fade of sin coming into your life. Sometimes you don't recognize right off the bat that you have been slowly allowing yourself to be captivated by a worldly desire until sometimes it's too late sometimes you hurt much and many people that are around you you may cause issues you may make bad decisions you may make a mistake like getting your girlfriend pregnant when you know you shouldn't have been sleeping with her let alone living in the same apartment with her you see there's a key thing to a lot of a lot of these parts that has stood out to me and we got to remember the importance because like I was looking at Titus 3 because it, it talks about I just I just like the wordage that's being used here it's in verse 5 it says he saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And then it tells you things to avoid in conversations. But the idea is that we're not supposed to not do good stuff. We, we are supposed to be acting out in Christ-likeness to other people, treating people with the respect and, and loving on people and to show mercy and to help someone in need, to encourage someone, whether it's in words or in prayer. You got to remember that that is our, what we're supposed to be doing. But you also got to remember the only way to do all this stuff is by where our minds are focused on. If it's focused on self, focused on this world, you're not going to see the opportunities that God has for you to do more for him because you're so focused on what pleases you, what helps you to be better. You know, some people could be, that you can help could be right right there in your church you know you heard that Joe you know his truck broke down and you know he needs uh, like a couple thousand dollars but he doesn't have the money for it now how is he supposed to get to work now it, the logical thing is we said well we could pray for him and God can provide but how do you know that you're not the one that's supposed to help him provide it oh well you know I've been saving that money for vacation and, 
and I go, well, how do you know that, like, are you telling me that God's telling you to, to use that money to help him, or you're just ignoring it, or, like, see, do you understand, sometimes we may be having this plan, because, like, the way I also look at it is, maybe I planned out all that money, even though it was for vacation, but I can give Joe $500 of it, and I can still gain the $500 plus a little more if I, if, you know, if I continue to do what I've been doing. Do you, do you see what I mean? Well, you know, I do have an extra vehicle. You know, maybe Joe, I can let Joe borrow my, my car that I have <coughs> that's just sitting there. And I can just take my, you know, my truck or my other car. You know, see, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in our, even in our own churches to help somebody in need. Because we have this mindset, we kind of treat people that are American, that they can figure it out. They can go get a loan. That's the problem. If we, if we can't even help people that are our neighbors, that are right there, how are we supposed to help people in another city or in a state or in the US or in Canada or in India? Well, and it's like, well, you know, well, I, I donate my 25 bucks a month to help that kid in Africa. That's great. How do you help Joe who's right next to you? Oh, well, he can get the money. Oh, so it only matters to people outside of America that need the help. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, that's the key thing. We, we don't know how to help our local community because we treat it just like everybody else treats it. While we live here in America, it's easy to be able to get what you need. Well, true. He could get a loan, but if everybody in the church donated money for, let's say, it was seventeen hundred dollars to pay and pay his truck and get it done, because he can, or he can only afford like five hundred right now. He won't be able to make the money until a couple paychecks or a month, and he needs a vehicle. He needs to get to work, and suddenly everybody in the church donates all this money. Not only does he have enough money to pay the car but now he also has a little extra money to take care of you know to pay for maybe food for his family that week because he had to put most of it you know most of the money towards this truck now he doesn't have a loan and you guys helped a brother in Christ you see, do you see what I'm trying to say it's like you know we, we are so willing to send out money out to foreign help but we're not willing to help each other here who may need help. Like, you know, let's say Tim's wife is sick. Um, he's trying to take care of her and the kids. And, you know, dinner is not getting done as well. And he, he's having a hard time doing while going to work. And then, you know, she's losing time because she's not at work. And, you know, and she's struggling. And, you know, she's going to be out for like a week. You know, as a church, we could go and say, hey, we'll provide the meals. What do you need? We'll provide, you know, it could be just for dinners. It could be maybe get there and pick up the kids for him. And say, hey, Tim, don't worry about it, man. Well, you know, I'll come and pick up your your, your kids today and bring it, take them to school. 
and then someone else in the church can say, I'll, I'll do it Tuesday, I'll do it Wednesday, I'll do it, you know. And then we have like people say, no, I'll make dinner for uh, for Monday and, and Tuesday and Wednesday. See, the thing is, we can help each other if we pay attention to these opportunities and recognize the needs that are around us that we could just do. But it all comes to our minds. If we're focused on the world, we don't see those opportunities. If we're focused on self because individualism is very big you know take care of my own kingdom we miss out on opportunities to serve each other we start walking away what it means for salvation you know your best friend who has been you know walking in sin for so long but you've never confronted him about it this is an opportunity for you to speak up you know, your brother who's been sleeping with his girlfriend and, you, and things are just not working out and you tell him, hey, why not get married? You see, the thing is, it's not only just by helping like issues like good stuff or like bad stuff that happen to people, but it's also like telling people, hey, you know, if you, you're not walking with the Lord, my friend, you're not serving God like you're supposed to. You see, that's all part of understanding the beauty of salvation. Christ died for us. We do not have to follow sin anymore. Doesn't mean we won't struggle. Doesn't mean we won't fail. Doesn't mean that there won't be times where, where we allow anger and just, and just crap to get into us and we make bad decisions. Paul says it once again. Flesh versus the spirit. He fights the flesh. You and I are going to be fighting the flesh all the time. How is your mind? What are you putting in it? What are you allowing to be in it? Who are you hanging out with and what teachings are you being taught? What ideologies are you taking in? What sciences are you allowing to be in that aren't biblical? What other religious groups are you using to format your Christianity? There's so many things we can pick and choose. You not you got to make sure you're paying attention and not allowing things that should not be going into your mind doesn't mean that you shouldn't learn to understand the opposite side, but it's what you're accepting of the opposite side that becomes a part of you. So let's pray. I want you guys to think about that. I hope this will be a challenge. I hope this will open up some thought and minds, like <laughs> paying attention to what you're doing and allowing. And I pray that you guys will uh, just keep growing. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you do. I pray that you just continue to help men that are listening, even women that may be listening, help their minds, help their minds to be clear, allow themselves to be able to continue to walk towards you, Lord. Help them to remember that if they're chasing after the world, they're not chasing after you anymore. They're putting on the helmet of self and not the helmet of salvation. So Lord, allow them to remember what you have done and how you've changed them, how you've removed sins, how you've made them into a new new person, that they have become a follower of Christ, because they need to make sure that they keep that being above what their, what their mind is thinking, about the above and not about the earth. Help them to always continue to put you first. Help them to always want to walk with you, to stay holy, to walk in righteousness, and to chase after what you want them to chase after. Help them to be aware of other people around them who need help because 
they're not being selfish anymore. They're starting to focus on you more, which allows them to be more aware of other people. And then thirdly, if there's sin in their life, remove the sin. Help them to have clarity enough to recognize that the sin is controlling them and causing them more problems that they need to repent of so that they can walk with the helmet of salvation and understanding who they are in Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys all have a blessed week. I look forward to talking to you guys next time, and God bless.